so your next movie, will, everything will be single shot, finishing um, the camera, <laughs> onto the bench, no effects. Yeah, no, <laughs> my next movie's going to be very simple. Whatever it is, it will be as simple as hell. <laughs> I never, ever, ever want to get involved in anything that's complicated as the game. This is going to be the hardest thing I, I, I ever do in my life. So here we are on the first anniversary of the beginning of filming one year ago today in the heat of Mount Victoria and um, here we are at Deer Park Heights, Queenstown and as a special treat for the crew who have been so wonderful for this first year we've, we've bought a new snow machine we're just testing it at the moment it's quite amazing it can actually cover several miles um, and just one little machine just blasts the snow out so it's quite effective but uh, anyway we'll turn it off and get back to shooting thank you turn that snow machine off everybody now please come on back to work back to work come on five thirty last day of my shooting of Lord of the Rings which started in the second or third week of January 2000 three and a half years ago exactly And we're in Wellington, capital of New Zealand. It's on the south of the North Island, when the winds can blow. <laughs> and we came in yesterday thinking it was the last day. Put the makeup on and then we sent home. Same thing may happen today, depending on the weather. I just wanted to let you know that the weather is looking to clear up. And what we may do is go into A stage. Start with your shot there and then move outside once when it starts to clear away. The day begins at 7 o'clock with breakfast. Nice crispy bacon. Good. I usually find if I uh, eat a decent breakfast, I don't actually eat anything else all day. It's a very important meal. been going since five o'clock. <laughs> so long it takes to make 280 pancakes. <laughs> I think it's probably hitting about eight degrees. No. No, it's not. It's no, it's about 15. Oh, yeah. come on. Yep, 15. But it's warm in here. It's very yeah. warm in here. Because we are hot. <laughs> My 3D camera and a spare roll of film, so I'm all equipped for the day. And now we're going to uh, basically go to the stage. I'm currently um, away scheduling, trying to uh, produce some rain free days. <laughs> um, so I'll be um, fisting today. Good morning. This is the existing cup. There's Gandalf is up front there. Oh, yeah. But unless people actually spot him, Yes, you, they, they, won't obvious, e they won't even know because then we go on and we have. Um, see, we have Vigo. You're, you're now up front ah, here. Right. We have Vigo, we have Orly. Orly looks around. Vigo looks around. Another wide. And you obviously kept off them because I wasn't Because you wasn't there. You so, because this is potentially the first scene in the movie, it's important to at least to see you riding and looking around. 
So the sort of, the sort of shot we want to shoot with you is actually one like that. Yeah. Where you're literally just walking, looking around, a bit ominous, got a bit horse? creepy. Oh well, we've got we've got part of a horse. We've got we've got sort of that bit of, that bit of a horse there. Uh, right old favourite. <laughs> right, steady she goes. <laughs> Steady, steady. Settle down, settle down. <laughs> okay. Action. The whole trick of film acting is, despite this having to get up early and wait, 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 and we're told to come and then told not to. Is when the moment comes and the camera turns to be there, in the character, in the feeling, in the mood. Precisely. We should have actually, no time to waste. We should have actually got this thing powered with its own internal engine, and then you could have had a little steering wheel, and, and, and then you just driven it, driven it around yourself, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it should have been quite well, good. I wouldn't put it past you to have one next time you come here. <laughs> <laughs> Steve in the boat. Um, we've got um, a couple of weights down the bottom with a carabiner on them, which we're running a wire through, which comes down and goes to my men over there. And on the count of three, two, one, full, they'll give them a, a large pull, enough to pull them into the water. All I've got to do is not fall in. All I've got to do. But jealous, really. Not to be doing this. Not quite as trained. And I've heard the eels in there as well. I got him. No. Plenty of blood. Oh, that's right. He's going to go down till his feet are covered with water, and then it'll be a cut, and we'll start bringing him back up. When our when our red marker comes up, then we'll just you know back, time to bring him up. In case the wheel jams or we have any problems at all, we've got a crane standing by to lift the wheel out. We've got an emergency rescue diver as well in the water ready to go. And the stuntman's got a uh, about a 10 minute uh, air supply of his own. Also we have paramedics standing by and all the good stuff. Christopher Lee hadn't been playing Saram and we probably would have had the same demise because it's, um, you know, it makes sense to have Saram falling off his tower and landing on something sharp, but 
the fact that it is Christopher Lee obviously has a significance to us all, and it's quite fun. I bet he thought that he'd um, hit his last stakes with a heart, but he was wrong. He came down here and to New Zealand, and we we rammed another wooden stakes with his heart. There's something vaguely familiar about this situation. 27 years ago, when I looked up, I saw Peter Cushing. 27 years later, in New Zealand, I look up and I see Peter Jackson. It's called lace. It's a type of nylon net, and it's made on the same machines that make um, mosquito netting. But it's made specially for wigs. They're made to fit absolutely exactly one person, which is why when you're fitting extras, you need loads of them, because, and they never fit properly, but you can just about fudge it. I could get used to this, actually. <laughs> so it's three dimensions, shooting 3D, see? So the 3D photos of the Lord of the Rings set will exist. You get one of those Viewmaster kind of real things, it'll be cool. I want to look at it. There's one more time. Yeah, yeah, I heard about this thing called the Palantir, which apparently is a magic bowling ball. So I stole it, but my thumbs get caught in it. Pippin's screaming! Pippin's in pain! He's struggling! He stands! He stands, he's struggling, he's in pain, he falls! Go to him, go to him! Aragorn comes in! Aragorn runs across the room, grabs the Palantir, grabs the Palantir, grabs the Palantir, he's struggling. He's struggling, the Palantir rolls. Look at him. It wasn't bad though, for just, I mean, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's, we're only going to use moments of it. In lines off for Serene McKellen. Um, uh, yeah, That's me. We'll get, well, Tiny me. Peter, Peter McCaffrey. That's fine. Mini me. So, still hanging in there. Got him hobbled there. He can't spread his legs out. You got him hobbled. So the leg straps on. What? Oh. Dummy. That's my lifeline. It's yeah. a speed control, but sometimes it don't work. No, sometimes it definitely don't work. As you could well find out in the next shot. <laughs> we made it look too easy in the beginning, and then the further we've gone, the more difficult it's got, and the more stuff they've thrown on us because they look, we made it look easy in the first place. <laughs> so it makes it a little difficult. It's not as easy as it looks, and it... Uh, is a lot more dangerous than it looks. Today we're here in Paulburn um, in the South Island, about two hours from Queenstown, and we're filming with um, 235 extras and about 30 hero horses or company-owned horses. The extra riders with their horses, they actually stay on site camping in their horse floats or a tent or caravan, whatever the accommodation they can bring with them basically. What we've laid here is probably the longest track in the southern hemisphere. It's approximately 150 metres long. Um, it's taken us you know, about three or four hours to lay and it's quite, it's quite a build. Action! What we did uh, is we took some uh, wire out of the fence 
we strung it and, and strained it so that it um, took the weight of this very heavy crane and two gods. I think we've done pretty well. The biggest crane I think I've ever seen in this country. Uh, and it's one of the most expensive. Um, the head is as expensive as my house. Now this camera on the blue crane is the king. This will be one of the few opportunities in your life you're allowed to look at the camera. Highly sophisticated transport load. Very, very big budget mechanical device. Oh. So, so have you found my film, Brian? Uh, I was just going to review with you and see oh, my, my lost film. Polo. Oh, your stuff, I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. the lost footage. Everyone's lost, lost, lost footage. footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was like the whole entire Helm's Deep in 3D, wasn't it? Somebody cleared the table and thought it was rubbish and it got thrown away. She's fighting and they're, and they're coming, at, coming at them and behind them horses should be, should be close in and wheeling and hacking and it should just be kind of may mayhem. It's interesting seeing the, the number of different blades I've had to make to, to make each shot work. Uh, th these blades will probably end up getting virtually thrown away at the end of this. Yesterday was such a full-on day with heating the blade that we're now down to our hero sword. So we've got to be very careful on how much we heat it, otherwise we'll end up losing this one as well. Hello? I mean, I think what's happened is somebody's just come to clear away the old cups on the table, a unit person, and saw this and thought it was just some Rubbish. discarded old bit of bag. I mean, so we're, we're looking through the skip where everything from yesterday in, ended up, and I think if it's going to be anywhere, it'll be in the skip. Yeah. So I've got quite high hopes that we'll find it there. about the basic hero shot would be head, head in the foreground and then just behind looking, looking back and we might be closing on the head waiting for waiting. the cloud waiting for the cloud yes no it's um it can be rather distressing at times like this when you're sitting waiting, um. waiting, waiting. Sir Edmund Hillary's about to come down for lunch. Hopefully we're going to get him to sign these books which Peter's bought for Elijah Sean and myself. Very, very excited. A gift from Peter Jackson. I think he's read Lord of the Rings like six times. Has he? Apparently he's a fan of the books. So I'm going to, if he seems amenable to it, I'm going to see if I can get him to sign it. 
be amazing. Big, big childhood hero. I was thinking, okay, what's the first thing I'm going to say to the first man who reached the summit and return from Everest? And I was, so how, how was it? The, the view, how was the view? You know? oh, it was pretty good, really. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Actually, could you want to write that to Gollum? Gollum. Yeah. This is uh, some. Re oh no, this is the re the refugee leaving one. That's, that's yeah. a different one. You want the you want the army leaving one. Oh my God! I haven't seen that. Oh, uh, you'll have to pay. I've missed it. I've missed it. It'll uh, open in uh, two two Christmases time. Well, it looks like we've got a problem with the snow machine. The the button's jammed and we can't turn it off. Um, it's creating a bit of problem. It's snowing all over Queensland. I think the police are going to come and tell us off. We've got to try and get this machine to shut down. We've lost them. Now pump us out. Breathe! Breathe! <laughs> really, it's not too bad. It's a possibility we should think about for the Dimholt Road. The place that's exactly like this but um, ten times better is the old uh, Punakaiki Pinnacles. Absence of the video diarists who were too chicken to come up all the way up the mountain and the choppers. Barry Osborne took took command of the video camera, and um, but unfortunately we were noticing every time the shot was suddenly look interesting, his cell phone would ring. So it was like he was continuously filming and then answering his phone, just filming and answering his phone. So you probably only got two or three seconds of usable material in between phone calls. Is that what happened? That's all it takes you is uh, two or three seconds of, of great material. There's <laughs> always a certain amount of danger involved with moving people about with helicopters and things, especially into rugged areas like this where we've had to make our own landing pads and things like that, moving a lot of people. The rock formation here is quite loose and there's a chance of, of us having rocks falling down. Medic! Further up the valley where the rocks are a lot closer, we have the whole crew wearing hard hats as a precaution against rocks coming down from above.
can't make it move. I think they're jammed. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I take this opportunity just to thank the local cemetery department for providing us with the props today. We promise to have them returned by 8 o'clock tonight. All these skulls are molded off a skull that Richard has. It's like, it's like a human being. It's like somebody lived. Over and over. Somebody lived who had no idea when they were alive that they were going to end up being kind of de decorating. Their skull was going to decorate this movie. It's pretty weird because it's like they just made 2,000 copies of the same skull. If you can buy them, you can buy mold. You buy molds of real skulls, and they, it was a male European. Somebody, but only God knows where and when and how old it is. Somebody, it was a human being once. Lord Westerners, strange news. The ring apparently must be destroyed by December the 22nd. You fool, man. We are yet staggering through the caves. We provide everybody you see in the film, apart from the lead performers that we've cast prior. We had four casting directors and I'm a New Zealand one and I ended up, sort of the, the job kind of came about and created itself really. Suddenly we needed hundreds of extras, doubles, you know, of every type, um, hand, leg, back, neck, I mean unbelievable. We kind of call ourselves body parts casting to a point. Um, we needed little tiny people, really huge people, um, all that sort of thing. So really anything that's required, we have to kind of find it. There are people that I think come into, you know, want to be part of it or involved in a film like this for the wrong reasons. You get a feel for people the minute you meet them. People that are too pushy and in your face, you just go, don't need that. It's not usually the kind of thing casting does, but hey. <laughs> what we want to do is get you all just looking like you handle these every day, that you're really competent and um, that when they put in the pretend arrows later, it's looking like it's doing some work. So we just want to get everybody in unison and holding it the right way, putting the arrows on the right side of the bow. Just, like, just let go, okay? Yeah, just let go. Just let your fingers open. Okay, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> Good. Pull back. Open your fingers, keep pulling. Now that was great. That's great. Do you want to join our club? Okay. Loose! <laughs> Excellent. You look great. Oh, I love the dragon. Rick's finally got a bit of manly facial hair. You have to have it glued on. <laughs> You're playing Roger the Cabin Boy. No, <laughs> you were playing Roger the Cabin Boy. This is semen stains. Over there's masturbate. This is hugwash. I've never afforded myself the time to uh, put myself up for a cameo, so finally with the last few weeks of uh, pickups in the third film to go, I finally uh, took the plunge and sure enough I was even late for uh, 
my fitting this morning because of a, a deadline change at miniatures. So, but uh, very glad I've made I've made the effort and got here. <laughs> Did you get your own trailer? I demanded one, but I never got one. <laughs> I think you and I are sharing. There's a portaloo out the back that they've decked out. Amazing how you get, you get the character, isn't it? Mm. You read a handbook. Well, that's right. It was about the time that the, that, the, that the dreads were being glued in my beard that the first thoughts of buggery came into my mind. <laughs> who are you to deny us passage? Who is he? Who is he? I tell you who he is. Oh, nasties. We're at the Dry Creek Quarry, Dry Creek Quarry at uh, Wingate, not Wingate, Naranga Gorge. Oh, where are we? Haywards Hill. That's it. Dry Creek Quarry at Haywards Hill. The uh, the minister is set. I actually half read the book, I sort of got sick of it halfway through, couldn't really, didn't dig it that much, you know. But um, definitely enjoying doing this sort of stuff and, and being part of it, it's fantastic, it's a lifetime opportunity. Just been such a rapid transformation with all the uh, structures going up one day and then uh, it's been clad, instant polystyrene. Stone carvers come along, plasterers, painters, and you've got a building. The next day you've got a city. You know, we're, we're a lot quicker now. The carvers, the sculptors, which were, we were tiny tots when we started, we'd never really done it before. So now they're a whole department of their own and they just go. Psh. Got a helmet. Well, it's a plastic helmet, I believe. I mean, it's not going. It's not legally a legal uh, safety-tested thing, is it? It's made of plastic. How's your arm strength? Mm. <laughs> Strongest guy we've got. Oh, God, Kieran. Jesus, you've been on the bloody. I've been on the you've muscle. You've been eating. Don't not muscle. That's not muscle that I'm that I'm picking up there. Oh, Jesus, he's, he's weighs a ton. Good job, you got some armour on there. Yeah. Exactly three years ago today, May the 23rd, 2000, we were halfway through our shoot and we had these uh, jackets made. You can sort of see the, the date there. And it's May the 23rd, 2003, and we're still making the movie. And we've had to celebrate the day we've asked all the crew to wear these, but I see that not many people have, so there's obviously quite a few of them on eBay. We're going to start rehearsing now. Basil needs to walk through this a couple of times on the horse. <clears throat> now, he will be walking only, but the rest of you guys should be doing what you're going to do so that Basil and the horse can get used to it. Back to your post.
Suddenly these things go flying over. They don't know what these things are. They're like black shapes coming towards them, so they could be rocks. The guys can like put their shields up to, to, and these things bounce off their shields, and then it's like, boom, they land on the ground and sort of spin on the ground, and we see it's a severed head. Background action at the beginning for the They say they look uh, interested and busy and like they might care about Middle Earth. Uh, Serene is having quite a hard time today, even with the sun, and it's like so bright. He's shielding his eyes. I'm trying really hard not to blind him, but I need to get the lilacs in there, so. It's a bit of a trick. He's just finding the general ambience here really, really bright. And New Zealand light is um, generally about three or four stops brighter than the other light in the world. And you get DOPs coming here from overseas and they get their meters out. Like this, and they go. Down here is just going to blow these uh, the parapet once the wall comes down. And what we've done is we've widened um, deck cord with, with a couple of little charges in it. Um, the pillars have already been pre-cut, so when the drawbridge drops down and hits the top, we'll blow it. Uh, we're just tidying up these spikes. Just um, when these things explode, there's going to be a bit of bit of block and thing flying around the place. So we're just minimising the amount of uh, projectiles that can come out of the block. Give in to fear. Do not give in to fear. Terror is their weapon. Terror is their weapon. Fight, stand your ground, fight. Fight, stand your ground, fight. <laughs> Would you like cue cards, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> we could write you up a little well, well, perhaps we could perhaps we could write the lines on, on the on the helmets of the soldiers. And so as you as you look as you look at each one, you can sort of see that. <laughs> This is how real filmmaking, professional filmmaking goes. The director writes the words, or his wife writes the words. The director gives me the words. Nobody else has got them. I now give them to the um, script supervisor, who should have had the words days ago. Right, here are the words. Not the towers. Exclamation mark. Aim at the trolls. So not at the towers, at the trolls. If you kill the trolls, the towers can't move. See? And you're wasting your hours fighting at the towers. So Ian doesn't never needs this again. No, well actually Andrew rewrote them. And Andrew's rewritten me. Yeah, he's he put stand to your post, which is the correct line. <laughs> fight. <coughs> fight, yeah. Yeah, I might just I might keep this. Okay. Um, hey John. As a memento. Stand to your posts. Fight. 
Stand to your tenor! Boat! Stand to your boat! Oh dear, oh dear. Ryan, is there anything we can do about the snow machine, mate? Well, I suppose we can shut the jenny down, see what that does. Okay, can we can we kill the, kill the jenny? Yeah, can we okay. get that word out, please? This is creating huge problems for us. And Brian has got to sort it out. Go, Brian, go. <laughs> these, are, these are not the easiest things to wear. Uh, it's quite a technical process getting in. And also, of course, you have to wear the obligatory matching underpants. New technology has arrived. <laughs> There's no category for this. So we don't know where to put it. <laughs> I am free! We're going to attempt to do motion capture of Gollum at the same time as we're shooting with the actors. And so it, it, it just means that as Andy is performing with Elijah and Sean, all of his movements that he's making are actually being recorded by a computer, which will subsequently provide a lot of useful information for the animation of Gollum. What we've done previously is, is always just film him um, and then shoot an empty pass without him, which we're still going to have to do today. And and uh, about a year or two years later, in some instances, we have to then motion capture him. So Andy has to recreate his performance after a huge period of time has passed. We can have play orange light beaming up there like you're over some lava buddy. Cool, cool. Or something. Well, well, you don't throw the ring into there, I don't know. But that might, I suppose you have to go through a door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. You always have to yeah. go through the door. We have 13 cameras. Uh, that are all looking at markers on on uh, Andy's body, as well as looking at markers on the cameras and uh, other objects in the scene. So we're tracking cameras, we're tracking Andy, and we're tracking any other object that they choose to, to place in the area. Before today, we had to have an absolutely clean environment, which means that we wouldn't even allow someone to walk in with a plastic water bottle because it was reflective. It would show up as a marker. And in this case, we have people walking around with lights, water bottles, smoke in the air. It's an environment that, in the world of motion capture, most groups would consider impossible to capture. And they, oh, yeah. Woo, that's a beauty. Yeah. <laughs> this work? Yeah. 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 Did it first did it? The, um, yeah. You saw the dots? Yeah, yeah. Dots, dots and the and camera and everything. So it's could be... You can go to Fiji now. And, you know, yeah. 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 Has the dollars of wages, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. oh. <laughs> of course, in the motion capture stage, I then swap to speed skater blue lycra. All the acting decisions have really come from from my before. All the, all the psychological, all the moments, all the the, the, the kind of the humorous moments, and the and the and turning the character on his head and becoming nasty, and then becoming. <sighs> You know, quite sad or whatever. They're, they're driven by what I do. No process! No process! We get our gray shaded golem delivered, you know, while we import him uh, from the creatures department. They build him. So when we get him, he is just a standard golem looking like, just like this. So then we get him, and we get him into Andy's pose, get the shoulders up and get everything all ready, <clears throat> and we start at frame one. And from there we start building, and then we go to frame two or three whenever Andy's making a gesture change. And, you know, we <clears throat> animate that character to what, to what Andy's doing, whatever he's doing. You can see how, the, how the, the dialogue is broken down. And in this scene, 
you can see where he's saying up, 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 up. This is Smeagol finally getting in his head that they'll lead, you know, Sam and Frodo up this up the windy stair to uh, Shelob, where so Gollum can get the ring. So this has been broken down by editorial. They know where the U comes in and where and then where the P comes in. So in between these frames here, I know that I need to close his mouth for the hard P shape. What we have here is this is Andy Serkis's performance, and the footage that we get is this angle, a close-up, a side view, and, a, and like a medium-long shot. If we hadn't had Andy's performance, not only in, in motion capture, but in all these great reference shots, it would be more difficult in that it, it would just take a lot longer to nail down who these characters are, because everyone has their own interpretation. You know, we've all tried to read the books. So we look at this and we animate, and then we come up with, with this. Now I've exaggerated the shoulders at the end to make him look, you know, like he's like he's a little young, you know, like a little young boy getting all excited. See, Andy doesn't do that much. When you're making a character, you're making acting choices, and it's it's really cool because you're kind of the director and the actor at the same time. Because you have to not only feel it, but you have to be able to look at your own work and go, what's working, what's not working, and kind of keep manipulating it to get it to ultimately work. You can see that we we reference him very heavily and get his performance. Then we get the skinned, lit version with, uh, with hair. So there you have, you know, pretty much the progression of a shot uh, here at Weta. At the end of the day, it's Peter has to see the shot to say it's done, but there's a few other people just before that that have to say, okay, it's time to show it to Peter. This is our best effort. This is what he's asking for. Getting the work shown to those few people in a timely fashion. Yep, well, it's good. I think it's a little late, and I think it's a little uh, subtle. Maybe it starts with the eyes, and then it, it goes into a little bit of mouth stuff. It's like... It's mine, you know. So it actually, because he does, he is going into that reach. I mean, here's Schmeagel rather than Gollum here, isn't he? So, so he's, fight, he's, he's fighting the Gollum of, part. Yeah, he's fighting the Gollum part, and Schmeagel. Mm -hmm. And he's a little bit of excitement coming in. Yeah. And I thought, oh God, I'd love to play this character just in prosthetics, or you know, find a way of doing it, lose weight as much as I could, and and uh, you know, but. But Pete was very, very right to go that way. I mean, there was absolutely no, no doubt actually sitting, for, obviously, once it's finally manifested itself. But, but I think why it works and why people also connect with it is because there's this extreme-looking creature which you don't want to like and who looks alien, but actually he does have these human qualities. And it, it's the tension between that which actually gives him a greater human truth. We must not the precious. We must not the bad. Put it on the 
stuck and, and all, of the, all of the web stuff Elijah was shooting today is just going to be tight yeah the web's sort of in this entrance way here mm -hmm. you've run in from the background there running towards us here with a spider on your tail yep Gollum is meanwhile on this side of the web it's that realization that really this that being in this web is actually fulfilling his plan because mm -hmm. he basically says well we'll just let the spider eat you and suck out your meat and then we'll, we'll come and clear out to get the precious and you realize at that point of being stuck in the web what the whole plan was all about oh, yeah. Yeah. right from the beginning what tunnel what the windy stair what everything was was all about trouble is joe's uh stuck in there now so you were gonna have to do it with zoe it's gonna take us like, like oh we'll just do a facial place zoe is frodo she'll do it if she doesn't job. get eaten by she lob in the meantime so are we ready for elijah I remember these days. <laughs> Slightly wet this one. I'm making spider's web for Shelob's lair at the moment out of a elastomer that we had developed for us. Heat the stuff up and uh, we put it on a water bath and then stretch it out. It's got an enormous amount of stretch. was kind of a National Geographic spider kind of blown up and gone crazy. I think Pete uh, decided that a tunnel web spider was his number one um, bad spider in the world. Uh, we had lots of spider reference. Uh, unfortunately spiders are very tiny usually, um, definitely not this big. And what it's progressed into is something with a lot more kind of anthropomorphic character in the face and stuff. One of the eyes is milky, like there's a cataract in it. It just looks really diseased. There's all these disease clumps all over it. We had some web reference. Uh, the, the web reference was really quick, as you can imagine, a little spider grabbing a cricket or something, but uh, you definitely want to use it to just get the where the web's coming out of, what legs they use it with, where they're placing it, and then um, throw it all away because this spider's, you know, weighs two tons. Now this is a scene where Frodo is struggling uh, through these cliffs, Sirith Ungol, after he's had a showdown with Gollum. And Shelob pops out of a hole and, unbeknownst to him, creeps around and stabs him with her stinger and he collapses and she wraps him up in webbing uh, 
and then Sammy comes along and saves him. Hey, there's, there's a light. Someone's home. This is the shot of Frodo getting spun up in the cocoon, and I'll just scrub through it real quick just to show you what I look at all day. These aren't the, the nice and beautiful screens that you see in the movie theater, but uh, this is basically what we do. We animate these kind of lower res creatures that uh, are just base and um, hand it off to someone else to make them look pretty. One of the rewarding things about the Shelob sequence is that the TDs are working on the shots at the same time the animators are. So we'll, we'll do some animation during the day, publish it, the next day we'll get to see that rendered and lit and that's really inspiring because you get to see how much the texture adds to her character. Next time we see this, the, the face will be chattering away. Chattering away. The mouth. Oh, this is not getting the animation? We had a digital, it's been going for about 10 years now, and when it first started, uh, there was really only one person, and, uh, and the managers and the team referred to Weta Digital as the ILM of the South Pacific. That's no joke now. Uh, we probably have more processing power than ILM. We've won two Oscars in a row, and it's a very exciting time. It's very agricultural, but in here you have 512 2.2 gigahertz Xeon processors. That's a teraflop of computer processing power. That's larger than the Australian Centre for High Performance Computing. It was built, architected, installed and implemented in the space of three weeks. The computer room that we have, our fourth computer room, we're adding another 1176 processors. That's seven racks of servers, each rack with 168 processors. Each processor is a 2.8 gigahertz Xeon processor. Intel tell us that we will be the largest Intel HPC site in the world and we believe in sheer processing power will be up there in the top 10. Uh, we may even outrank NASA. These basically take the film, run it through the gate here and capture an image uh, at what's called 2K, which is the working resolution for, for the Lord of the Rings. That's, uh, that's a big enough image for us to work on, shoot back out the film and no one really tell that it's come through a digital process. We scan every single frame. And that's not just every single frame of drama, that's every single element for effect shots, which could be in some cases up to 50 layers uh, when there's miniatures involved. That pretty much is a, a, a day's work in miniatures. A lot of the stuff we shoot might only be a few frames long because it's going to be cut out and repositioned and moved around by digital and so on. Um, uh, we always get a, a few comments about the extremely short roles that we shoot. Um, uh, we might spend, you know, a whole day shooting um, a thousand frames. We colour grade the film. We, we have various skill sets here. The first thing is, is to just evolve looks and design how the film actually looks. You know, the, the, the lavenders of Lothlorien through to, you know, the, the battle looks. And we really just design how the film looks. We can um, modify the whole image, um, we can change the color base of the whole image. Uh, on the other hand, we can rotoscope certain parts in the image and um, therefore change only that part. We don't cut the negative anymore until now you've actually physically cut the neg. Um, now we don't need to do that and, and this becomes really like a, a image bank for the film. 
These are the IRE laser film recorders, which do the opposite of the scanners, that is they take a digital image and send it back to film. There's good stuff in there. Good this. And kick at it! Kick it! Fight it! It is a, it is a super blue guy moment, and it has arrived. <laughs> Emma? Super blue guy moment. When you're a low, a low rent superhero who can't even afford a cape, what, what more do you expect? He can't even afford a bloody insignia. No, he can't afford any embroidery or markings. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. It's a stocking. You make stockings out of these. It's like um, the world's largest condom. <laughs> um, ribbed for her pleasure. If it gets in my eyes again, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna Stop. have to hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand. I'll wake up from my little reverie and <laughs> smack your Hey, you know, Sheila thing wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's hard is that it's a close-up of the hands, too, so it's like, and I just went up into Shelob's guts. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, it's that stuff. I don't mind about that stuff. It's just the dirt. It's you like dirt on your hands. Like dust and stuff. Yeah. So you got something like this? You know what it is? It's because I put my hands down when I'm adjusting my... That's um, what it is. Don't put your hands down. So you put a little bit of this Shelob gum right in his eyeballs, and he goes from old blue, young blue eyes to young green eyes. I turn Irish all of a sudden. He says, Oi, Sam, 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 how are you doing? What are you doing to me, Sam? Don't leave me here alone. Don't go where I come from. This is a very rare moment that we actually have a tangible tower in the background. It, it's right there, the dark tower. Um, so this is a, this is kind of a special, <laughs> this is a special moment. Because normally we have we have like a sketch that we look at. That's literally just a sketch that'll give us a basic idea of what the thing looks like. Um, and now we don't have to use our imagination because there it is. It's lovely. We will need to shoot another bit of Elijah in this thing, but not won't be for an hour or two. Or after that, cool. so we should probably de rig you, shouldn't we? Sean, just take that look for us again, sir. We're here to work, we're here to shoot a movie. They're sleeping. Look at them, it's like it's a picnic out here. But you, we can, you can figure out if you, if you look at what size they are here, like they're what about four foot wide here. So if you say those ones up here are four foot wide. Bit of excitement makes it all sort of get the adrenaline rush happening. Once you see yourself in the mirror, suddenly you feel transformed and hopefully a character takes place. We better go and pick him up. Start to uh, think, uh, wouldn't like to meet him in a dark alley and suddenly you realise it's yourself you wouldn't like to meet in a dark alley. Oh, you're already here, Steve? Uh, you can hold up the shirt, Steve. You can hold it up too, obviously, but let us see a little bit of this collar part of it, you know? Uh, so we have a hard hat. Hugh Hefner's beard. Well, he's straddling the, the hole, Lance is straddling the hole, Mandy's going to stomp on him and force him straight down on the net.
now. Just a note that the elephant really the one to kiss. Yes, with those smoochy. Yeah. Uh, you want some? Yeah? Yes, really. He wants me to run across the top of that bridge up there. How do I get up there? You can do it, I can do it. Sorry? What? You can do it, I can do it. He's learned from the great school of leadership that he won't ask anybody to do something that he's not willing to do. So, if he does it, I gotta do it. This is my favorite set. I think this is the coolest set. I love the stairs. It reminds me of those great old Hollywood movies, you know, Errol Flynn and swashbuckling stuff and coming up the stairs and Three Musketeers. I love it. stands up, he's standing up, up on this bank here, and he looks pretty enormous. So I feel like Miss Gulliver. This model is for the wide shot of Minas Tirith, and it's to be used in conjunction with large 12th and 8th scale sections, which will be tied in with specific parts of the action. This is a 14 scale version of this. There. So it's um, it's based on an already completed model. But it just has a lot more dressing involved. There's clotheslines and there's kettles and you name it. It's very modular, so pieces that we're getting from various places we just dress them up. Of course, it'll all be dressed to camera after we're finished, so most of the detail work goes in there. You work to the camera, the stuff that's up close to camera is very, very precise, and then it gradually kind of tapers off into the, the mist. Then we shoot it in smoke, of course, so it has aerial perspective, so, um, so you don't see everything quite, quite so closely. The very first time that Peter saw the miniature set of Minas Tirith, he said, this is great, but we need to do some shots like Star Wars where we're flying the camera down through the streets. Well, the problem is that this set was built as a long shot set. It was never intended to be shot close up at all. So naturally, here's the result. So here we are flying through the streets with a snorkel lens so we can get right down inside. Every building had to be super detailed because we're looking at them from just fractions of an inch away. 
And uh, basically, what this is, this is the Nazgul is flying through the, it's flying through the between the buildings, knocking people off and, and terrorizing the whole place. We're flying backwards, and he's flying towards us. So we're we're essentially leading him, same uh, same kind of path. So in effect, and as exactly as Peter has used it, he's he's cut from one to the other. Plus, there's there's interact interact intercut shots of the the, the terrorized people running around and ducking for cover and so forth. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> those are not real soldiers, are they? Well, we we just fortunately we found some real Nazgul. We're lucky that New Zealand is the only country in the world that has no. real those actors playing the soldiers, or were those um, computerised? Uh, well, some are, some are real and some aren't. Good. I don't know zap them because um, your ba your batteries are low, and you can't get you can't get any double A's in the city anyway. You've tried you've tried every, every chemist you've tried every chemist in the and they're, they're out of double A batteries. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that was a that was a tricky question, but I, I, managed, I managed to answer it quite well, didn't I? And this is just preliminary lighting. I believe there's also siege towers and all sorts of other elements that's supposed to go into it. There's also supposed to be clouds coming in, wispy clouds that they go through. Now, by no means is animation the only thing in this shot. There is just about everything in the shot that you can possibly have. There is keyframed animation, there is massive simulation, um, trebuchets being pulled off towers, uh, you name it, it's there. And it was all hell to do. <laughs> but this was a real fun one. This is the one where the, uh, fitting him through, fitting a 747 through some buildings is a pretty tough call. Uh, so. This doesn't look like as tight a space as it really is because it's pretty tight and if we get in here and look at it, this is the actual geometry that I'm flying through, taking this creature through, so getting him to cruise through this stuff was pretty tough. We're only here to do one thing, and that's tell a story. We're not here to make great effects. We're not here to do cool sound mixes. We're here to tell Peter's story and Tolkien's story. That's, all, that's our only function. And then ideally, we would do our jobs and then erase our tracks and disappear. And nobody would know we'd been there. Yeah. He does kill an awful lot of people very quickly. Mm. But that's cool. That's what that's that's what the kid the kids like. <clears throat> I like the idea that you're defending Pippin. It's not it's not gratuitous. Yes. In the way we normally no, do things. No, no, no. It's actually it, it is um <laughs> it is you're defending uh, you're defending Pippin, which is actually great. It's a great. Isn't Steve great at this? He's quite fit, isn't he, uh, Gandhi? Yeah. Mm. Well, I think when he needs to be, I think anybody's fit when they're defending somebody that they care about. Matrix. Hmm. Me. <laughs> so, Lou, what, what, what Ian was suggesting yes. is to sell the moment between you, you two at the end. Yep. That basically, that basically you you come and get stabbed, right? Yep. Yep. And then at that point you, you make a dreadful you, roar. You you hear the noise. You hear him, and you turn. <laughs> you're, you're, you're tired, but you turn. You're gonna attack him, and at that point you just fall. Because the timing is quite important because you've got to go to attack and he's full down dead and and before you see the, the hobbit you sort of you don't didn't know you didn't just touch stare him. at him and you look at your weapons it's like what the hell happened and action <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
there's certain things that you'll never see Gandalf practicing. You never see him keeping fit. Yeah. Who cuts his hair? Well, the things I, I worry about. Where does he buy his clothes? Yeah. Yeah, where does all that weight? Lovely. <coughs> and who washes it for him? Who washes that lovely hair for him? I never see him. Well, it'd be the pool. I mean, Legolas, wouldn't it? Unless you should think. They are. He knows a thing to do about blonde hair. Try to put braids in it for you, I should think. Go that way, but. Leave it, leave it, legless, leave it. If you were to pull your sword out, there'd be shoutings of soldiers around here, and you're looking out towards the towers over here. They're not, they're not right here. They're more over there. Um, um, stand, stand to your posts, prepare to fight. You know, if you were to stand to your posts, prepare to fight, and then you, then you turn, and if you, and if you, saw, if you saw Pippin and you stepped up to that mark, so it actually gave you that, that step forward. Um, once you see him, I thought it would look quite good. Around this time of day, about three in the afternoon, Ian always has a nice warm cup of tea. Today, I stole it. And I've eaten his biscuits. <laughs> That's very good. No, it, it, it is very good. It is very good. It would, it would just be nice just to get an, an, another little one for luck. Let's just do one, one more for luck. Just do one more for luck. Okay. Should we just do one more for luck? We should just do one more for luck. One more would be good. Just, just do one more. We'll just do what, one more for luck. Nice. That was nice. Yeah. Should we do one more for luck? Just do one more, guys, and we could. We Let's just do one more for luck. Let's just do one more for luck. Then, Let's just do another one. We're getting into the swing a bit. Let's do one more of those, just for luck. Should we do one more for luck? That was good. Don't yell, cut, until, until you hear me, me yell, cut. And cut. Cut. That wasn't bad. Get off. Back up. Back. Back. Come here. I've spent the whole day on the horse today, Shadow Facts. Uh, first he was reeling up quite a lot, but once he, he felt my manhood, as it were, he settled down. This is him here. Hey, is this serious? He's making a movie here. Three, two, one, action. Oh, I think he's broke a leg. <laughs> Shoot the bastard. As you can see, I've, uh, I've removed his legs and head because he was uh, misbehaving. Anyway, shows your kind of person I am. Goodbye. Today I'm operating myself. Well, I'm operating Pippin, who is fond today. And uh, it's great fun. A strange thing they don't know, but a flick of a switch, and I can actually make Fawn take off. Watch this. Whoa, and there she goes. 
what a cracker! And whoa! Watch yourself there, Peter. Nice piece of flying. The only thing is landing. Not so good at that. Here she comes. Oh! safety department. I'm in a very good watching position to watch these flaming balls come flying in towards my direction. So, uh... And I've got CO2 here just in case. the lens with it, the elbow of Grand. So, um, but I'll be fighting to get it closer and closer and they'll be pushing me back, so it'll be a nice tug of war here. We'll just bounce the camera out of the way, harmlessly. Yep. All the pieces have codes on them so we can match the appropriate pieces back together again. Um, all the, the front hero stuff will match reasonably well, but all the mess in the back doesn't matter, it's debris by the time we see it.
important minutes too that surround it. The low level is in flames. Everywhere the legions of the enemy fight. What is it about white and grey horses that they need? What is it? Every white and grey horse on this film needs a buddy. They're neurotic animals. They're like the worst possible film star who has an entourage yeah. going around with them and can't function without them. Start your line at the bottom of the hill, Carl, just when you're going through the swamp here. The Scots report Minas Tirith is surrounded. The low levels of flames everywhere the enemy advance. Instead of looking like that, just just kind of look down. And then come up for when she says, Well, I've done my uh, immortal pieces of work earlier on this morning, and now it's just down to uh, the guy with the spiky things coming out of the back of his head to impersonate me as best he can. Looks like me to Sunday. It's hard to kind of work out if, if they do look like you. I think, because I think Billy's looks really like him. And Elijah's and Sean Astin's, but I can't. <clears throat> excuse me, I can't see me. But Billy's the same. Billy can't see that he looks just like his mask. So I'm sure Billy does look like me, but it's quite, quite scary to see all your kind of bad things about your face right in front of me. To battle. Okay, and that's when everybody will ride up. Steady, buddy, shoot. <laughs> Scouts report Minas Tirith is surrounded. The low level is in flames. Everywhere legions of the enemy advance. We will ride through the night. This provides me with the body that I require. It sends uh, electrical currents into my stomach just to keep it firm because I do have a tendency to overeat slowly. So 3,000 volts of electricity every seven and a half minutes and by the end of the day I look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> it's fantastic. Sat in a meeting three and a half years ago with Peter Jackson and he talked at length about the cavalry charge of the Rohan across the Pelennor fields attacking the Orcs as they sieged Minas Tirith and and the words that he described are now being lived out behind me here and uh, at Twizel on location in this incredible countryside. Exactly the vision that he delivered to us on that day has, uh, has come to fruition as 250 horses in full Rohan armour with their riders plated and shining and their spears in attack position are ready to take on the Orcs. And, uh, with the CG enhancement of a further 6,000 behind them, it's, a, it's incredible that uh, so many, so much time can pass, but uh, without without fault, here we are seeing exactly as he described it all, all those years ago. One of the, the big spectacular scenes from the whole trilogy, really, and the, the final scene is going to involve 6,000 horses charging which we will be using computer-generated horses to give us the 6,000, but here today we've got about 250 for doing what you'd call close-ups, although obviously 250 horses is not really a close shot. It's going to be lovely and wide, and you'll be able to fill the frame. There's been very few films probably that have ever shot horse charges with 250 horses. It does look like a lot of horses. It's a great visual sight to see rank upon rank of these 
Rohan Riders. probably three or four years ago that Richard Taylor and I were talking about how many Rohan costumes he should build and I said well let's make 250 because I'd love to get 250 riders on horses. After three or four years here it is, we're, we're here now and doing it. Very exciting. Ride now! Ride for ruin! And the world's ending! All Citroën should be built like this. If they're able to go again, would like to go again, it's important that they look yeah, back. Yeah, There's yeah. a mama call bearing down on them. Okay, that's our A-frame. <coughs> Just doing a rough comp of um, some previous 3D previous material uh, and some live action of uh, one of the battle scenes. To create Pelinor Fields, we started really early on with uh, Alan Lee, and uh, Alan came in and we sat and uh, actually created the, the 3D environment for Pelinor Fields. Uh, we started with Minas Tirith being the origin and uh, built up the, the mountains right behind Pelinor, or right behind Minas Tirith, which were the White Mountains. Um, out from the White Mountains were Pelinor Fields themselves, which is uh, about 6K um, of just flat field. It seems like a real place to me now um, because we've We've uh, spent so much time in that area, I could probably map out the whole area, and if I was to drop there, I think it's upwards of around uh, 400 shots. So it's, uh, it's a movie in itself, as far as uh, effects go. So uh, 400 shots is as many shots as most movies have these days. At this size, it doesn't look like much, but then once you get everything shaded with circular dynamics and it's up on the big screen, you can pick out that each of the of the horses are uh, are moving as individuals, but also as a as a group. To give you a sense of uh, a sense of scale, um, there are uh, probably ten times more massive agents in uh, this shot than there were at uh, at Helm's Deep. Well, lift it. Ready? Uh, look how strong we are. You can't flog it. Well, you can if you want to go and flog that dead horse. You can. Apparently they eat horse steaks in Europe. <laughs> that wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> Not every horse was hurt in the making of this movie. Well, that's right. Obviously we didn't want to hurt any horses or performers. It wasn't even hurt, it didn't feel a thing. Peter wanted, you know, just, just grueling, nasty, you know, horrible deaths from these things where they're, you know, face planting and, you know, and tumbling over each other. This is a, a horse and rider actually um, captured at the same time and then split up into individual actions. Um, I can show you the, the motion tree here for this guy is quite large. These uh, controls a different aspect of, um, 
uh, the horse's behavior. You do get instances where um, uh, maybe some of the some of the riders are a little bit more adept at riding the horses than uh, than others, um, which is which is is pretty realistic. And normally we have a performer wear a lycra suit, which we velcro the little reflective markers on. That was a lot of lycra and a lot of suits to build, so we went to workshop and uh, talked to Gino Acevedo and said, well, what's the strongest glue you've got? We're able to uh, um, adhere the markers right into the hair of the horses, and uh, we were able to just soak them down uh, every night and clear them up and then back on the next day. The horses we had dictated a lot what, what we were able to achieve as well. Luckily, we had some, uh, you know, a great rearing horse. We had a horse that we could put down and get back up again. We had the motion edit team work on those and um, fine tune them so that contact was happening and so the orcs are getting trampled and um, so that you know we, the timing and the, and the contact is actually um, working because uh, obviously we didn't really want to trample over the studies. All of these are individual actions and then they're, um, they're transitioning between each other. So you can go to a canter stop. I'm responsible for producing what we, we term the creature rig, which is uh, the high-res asset that the horse motion gets put onto. That's kind of my job. You have to work sort of anatomically, but at the same time break a bunch of rules about how that stuff works. Um, you're working with surfaces that, that hook up and behave like normal muscles. Um, so you have to anticipate where those things are going to bulge under the skin and how they react to world forces. Here's the sequence in a fairly rudimentary form and what I'm working on here is just getting the riders and horses here looking correct in space and matching with the camera. Um, I've put in a first layer of arrows volleying down and after that I'll go ahead and render it still with just very simple shaders just to get an idea of how the riders are looking with motion blur and also the arrows. Lighting the, um, the horses and riders, just gelling them into the scene, trying to match the lighting of the, of the live action riders. Um, it's also good for me to reference this and um, see where maybe the animation could do with a bit more work. Rotoscoping is separating images from the background plate in order to layer things in behind, so it's masking. So this shot is a, is a charge, battle charge, and there's going to be CG characters colliding. So if there were no mats, no rotoscoping, the CG characters would just overlay these horses here. So what we have to do is draw a line around every single one of these horses and the compositor will take the plate, apply the mat, apply the CG, and then they will layer in as they're supposed to and actually fill in all the gaps. Somebody who's uh, familiar with DG doubles can probably tell which ones are and which ones aren't, but it's, it's gotten to a point where it's um, pretty difficult now. The sky's not real, the sky isn't either, and a couple of them in the background and the one that gets, basically all of them that get hit. So that was the major challenge with this shot, making realistic horse and rider motion when you had, you know, big screen references of real horses and riders um, very close by, so you couldn't make many mistakes. It wasn't very forgiving. 
animation uh, has done a really good job of, of making those look pretty nasty. Uh, the the keyframe animation on film two was amazing, but this this took it to a whole nother level. Hopefully, in the end, um, it'll be difficult to tell where you know the line between our real horses and the digital ones ends. But I guess when you look at it in those terms, the bottom line is if it's a horse that's getting killed, then it's a digital one because we've tried to avoid obviously hurting any real horses. We've squeezed everyone's pets every animal at every zoo we can possibly find and um, voila the mama kill charge was the next the next uh, big challenge for us in this movie they they really come in they're a big part of the Pelinor battle there's uh, 20 21 mama kills every time I've storyboarded for Peter there's always been something in the movies there's always been something that I've had to storyboard, even right back on Brain Dead, especially back on Brain Dead. But there's always been something that I've just thought, oh man, that is that is going too far. And generally, it's the thing people who talk about the films love. The the idea here was to you know seamlessly blend between our real legless and digital legless, which happens about right here, just before he mounts the tusk. And so um, you know, I had to be quite careful in matching textures and uh, getting the shaders to behave exactly as Orlando's costume behaved. We have plates where we photograph Orlando Bloom against a blue screen and he has to do impossible things that you could never have a real actor do. The, the idea here is Legolas is supposed to be standing on the front leg of a mummy kill, jumping to the back leg of a mummy kill. You know, we're trying to figure out how we can get this to work. And this is what we ended up with. So you can see it's quite a bit different. Uh, really, the only thing we preserved from the, the blue screen was a few frames of, of Legolas's face, which we attached to the, the digital actor in, in a few key places, and the rest of it was reanimated entirely. Because the sandbags that Legolas is climbing onto is static, Legolas is sort of just in his mind trying to sort of mimic what the, the mimica would be doing, sort of changing weight and that sort of thing. And then with what Legolas is doing, I've got to try and animate the, the mama kill to make it look as though it's the mama kill pushing around Legolas, not Legolas sort of just acting on his own to some sort of timing reference. There's a few artists here that are, that are particularly good at that, that sort of morphing technique. And what we've done is we've, we've tried to match our CG Legolas as closely as we can to the physical Legolas that was photographed against the blue screen. It was said we couldn't do it. We sort of, you know, banged it around with figures and things, and everyone said, no, it's just too difficult. Richard, being who Richard is, said, yeah, yeah, yes, of course we can do it. We can do anything. So about six people carved it for about six weeks. When I was sculpting the elephant, uh, originally I did the maquette, and then, you know, sculpting with a small tool, just a fine pointed thing, and then doing the bigger one, using bigger tools, of course, different substances make a difference too, because I've been sculpting in plasticine and Sculpey. The one that's in the studio is being sculpted out of polyfoam. It's like standard foam, and that's that's got to be carved with like knives, and blades, and saws, and sandpaper and grinders. And you see, we're now using big power tools like saber saws and angle grinders to to sculpt with. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. The 
did a whole lot of experiments trying to figure out how to achieve this sort of glorious sort of skin texture. Had a fairly fun session trying out sort of all different things and spraying foam and pushing sand and, and then spraying foam in a very fine mist at quite a steep angle so it built up on the sand, which has also made it very, very hard. So you can climb around on the surface even though there's a very thin layer of foam in places. You can actually climb around all over it as we have to do. There was a lightweight steel structure uh, just sort of as a starting skeleton, just basically cubes of steel which are all bolted together and it comes into 11 pieces. So we had 11 40-foot trucks uh, which we loaded all on using cranes and stuff in, in Miramar at Weta where we built it and in convoy brought them all out here so anyone who was in the middle of Wellington City on about four o'clock so Thursday afternoon would have looked up to see a giant ear or a giant tusk or a giant leg or four giant legs so sailing past on these trucks. Apparently several people saw it it was very funny. <laughs> Lots of people cry. Just spending some time in the city and an elephant went past in pieces. <laughs> found it! What? It's Where? found! Is it? It's found. Whereabouts? Carl just saw a TV. It was in the script. It's on its way over. In, the, in the skip. And they have found it. Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. Yay! Great. Wow, it's going to be a good day today. I can yeah. feel it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a relief. It's good. I Just a couple of rolls of... Uh, 3D film from the set that, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we thought it was in the skip. Found in the skip. Oh, excellent work. There you go, you see, you see them, you want to? Hey. Excellent work. Peter Munday was nearly because in the mummy kill. was cleaning up his table yeah. and didn't realise it looked like garbage. Yeah. Oh, look at, look at this one here. Look at, look at that one there, it's 3D. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do I land first and the horse lands on top of me? Is that the idea? Well, the whole, you and the horse are going to cartwheel, and I think at some point you separate. Yes, and you land and the horse kind of comes out. Yeah, okay. yeah, jump here and then over the top of the horse. So that, that you shouldn't have your hand down anywhere here because her foot will be kind of. It should be running over. On this bit? Yeah. Because I can feel this bit. Right on me. Is that? No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, she'll, she'll land right, right there. There's two things. One is the side step, just to get out of the way of, of, the, of the jaws. And secondly, is the motion of chopping it. Like, you don't have to be chopping it the split second that you're jumping out of the way. You've got actually quite a bit of time. So, so really, one is just without any thought to chopping its head off, you're just jumping out of the way of the thing. And then you see its neck right in front of you exposed, and you think, right, I'm going to take this thing, take its head off. Yeah. Be gone, Lord of Carrion! Do not come between the Nuzzle and his prey. Head rears back. One, two, and strike! And the way Pete works with animation is very much like the way he works with um, live action. He'll enjoy having several takes to choose from, and sometimes, like in this case, it's really necessary to see the action happen a couple of different ways. So it's, you know, he's able to um, choose which one, if any, he likes. What I'm doing is making it a smoother, more comfortable ride for the Witch King, who, after losing his steed to some nasty woman who just deemed to cut its head off. 
gets off and walks towards her to give her a right bloody telling off. So, to try and ease his mood, to try and make it easier for him to wander on forward, I'm going to carpet his, uh, his wander down, which hopefully should go a long way to cheering him. After that, we might make him a nice cup of tea. And so with great pomp and ceremony, the carpet goes on. And we'll use the, uh, the real baller today. He won't be swinging it. It'll just be a shot of him rising, holding it. Lawrence is using this, this stand-in stick, which we have marked up, which where we can track the actual movement of it. And what's going to eventually end up on it is this, is this giant uh, ball and chain thing here. And, and obviously the reason that we, we use this instead of the original prop is because he's swinging this around and, and Miranda, you know, it's obviously it's a safety issue. Well, it's, it's Up to lunch, folks. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Arthur, oh, so if I was you, I'd hurry along. Oh, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> he's free to just do his actions as, well, as wild as he wants and still uh, not, not worry about the, the safety concerns. Interesting, isn't it? I hope it doesn't fly off the end. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news. You see, it's a cheat provided by the lovely Joe, who helps me in many ways. Being on our knees gives the orcs a bit of a chance, I suppose. I was doing it again, man. Because we're kind of hard, me and Mary. He's just stabbed the Witch King in the knee a couple of scenes before, which deadens his arm, which is why he's got his arm hurt. And in the shot we just done, an orc has also hit him in the shoulder, so boom, he's fallen down. And we think we're going to lose the battle. But do we? Need to tune in to find out. Have it to you, you knave. And he falls down and then he dies. For the Black Gates of Mordor location, we need an area that's a bit like a desert, a sort of a, a large expanse of barren land with very little vegetation. Because it's a kind of arid, dead, desolate part of the, uh, the landscape of Middle Earth, and there's very few places in New Zealand. That actually have this sort of because New Zealand's a very green country and quite mountainous to, to actually find something flat with no vegetation is very difficult and this area of the uh, desert road the Rangapo Desert it's called is um is unfortunately the same area as the New Zealand Army do their live firing exercises. What I find funny is out of all the places in this army zone Peter chose the most dangerous place to shoot in with the most live ammunition. <laughs> One of those mortar bombs that they showed us the other day, buried underneath the sand right outside our truck. We could have died. All the lights would be all gone. But you know, we're expendable, aren't we? 
where you are. The army had to do like three sweeps through this area, removing unexploded bombs and mines and mortar bombs and various things before they'd even allow us to come in and shoot. But they've been very good about uh, cleaning it up for us, so we're able to come in. With all these horses around this little landscape, we should be shooting a spaghetti western at the weekends. What weekend? What weekend? Yeah, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have any weekend, that's right. Damn it. Working too hard. Myself and my partner Tanya, uh, we're not proud to say clock up a regular 100 hour working week as we have done for about three and a half years. We've had a, a couple of days off since Christmas, fight for about four months ago, so it certainly, uh, it certainly takes its toll, but uh, fortunately everything has its uh, gains and uh, the product that we see in the rushes uh, gives us the, the inspiration and the, uh, the energy to keep going, so uh, we'll tick on regardless. Let the Lord of the Black Land come forth! The free peoples of Middle-earth demand he come forth! He's basically dead. He's one of the living dead, I think. I think that's what it is. The halfling's release, Gondor and all its lands, shall pay tribute to Mordor. I've never been so submerged in costume, makeup, and masks, etc., as I have been in this. Go to this guy in the hotel. Underneath the door, you can still perform, so anyway. There was no answer. No joke. It's because we're operating two sets today, so the other sword that was specially made for this gag has had to go to the other set. And if things come off, we won't have to cut it. Hopefully you will not cut this to us cutting it. A swordsmith would have our heads. Today is Weta's biggest day for the armoury department. We've got 350 extras dressed in full plate armour and carrying weapons and it's a big day but it's going surprisingly well and everyone's coping with it and it's a good sign for the future. Well you want to ask slaughtered? The army's involvement here is we provide uh, a number of extras to uh, supplement the manning for the, uh, the casting here and also uh, we provide a bit of land for the, uh, the filming. Right, pretty thin. Everyone else, slowly go back, cover the complete top of the crest. There's lots of standing, um, lots of lots of energy involved, and um, yeah, yeah, they have been really tiring. Uh, a lot of the guys just go home and crash. They're not interested in playing afterwards. Pretty bloody boring. <laughs> just standing here and listening to these. But yeah, it's all right. Just remember to keep your focus and energy up. Rather do fighting scenes with the boys today than um, do it later on. We want to keep it the same, continuous, which is what continuity stands for. Hope we get paid. <laughs> do we get paid for this? Stand your ground, he says. We're looking up at him. Those are turning. I want you to see turning more. Start actually thinking more about it. These people have been hanging around for about six hours. They're going to call lunch now. Lunch is just behind you. This is chaos. Organised chaos. 
doing battles is like um, you can rehearse something, but every time you do it, something changes, and the cameras are always in different places. So it's uh, especially some form of chaos. Hoping people don't get hurt. Today, so far, so good. Only a couple gone down. Yesterday, we had a few stunt trippers from the uh, Gondorian ranks. Um, decided to fall over in front of the rest of the fellas as they ran over them. But today, it's just mainly mayhem and looking for a bit more blood and guts, I think. <laughs> See, that's the thing, which I think Mary has picked up. Which, the Eastern technique of using the opponent's strength. Yeah. Divert the force. I mean, when I started this job, I was a, a six stone weakling. Almost an angel? Yeah, I'm a 14 stone warrior now. Mm. I mean, I could take out any one of these guys in a heartbeat. You can see the fear in their eyes when they look at you. It's quite incredible. We've gone through seven um, temples now at the Shaolin Temple, which is okay. Most people take 15, 16 years. We took, what did we take? 12, 12 days? You, no, you took 12 days. I, I, took, I took 14. But I had the weekend off, though. Yeah, you went out partying. Didn't you? Yeah, I get drunk. You're working with stunk men who you don't want to injure, so you've got to be composed and controlled. And so, you know, you want to get the moves in right, you want to sell it to the camera, you want it to be real, and you want to show the strength that the character has in that situation and the skill that he has. And you're trying to stay in the moment, and there's a lot of things that, that come into play in that situation. Just in case it takes a stray blow, they're padding up as well because they're getting right in amongst the action. Andrew, you forgot to take your skateboard helmet off at lunchtime. Whoops! After your skateboarding finished, you just forgot to take the gear off. Has it saved you at all from uh, Absolutely. From serious plastic surgery. So you've taken a few knocks. <laughs> well, I think some serious plastic surgery wouldn't actually go, go amiss, to be quite honest. Don't, um, you don't actually hit his arm because what you, what you should do is just slice past it because then we, then we can just chop it off. Because if your sword blade actually stops, we kind of can't do the follow through on the computer. Bruises, owies, I've got owies. That is a shooting raptor, thank you. I need a plaster. when on top of a volcano performing stunts. It accesses a different part of the cerebral cortex and the gluteus maximus. Ah, 
We'll do aluminium first, yep. and we'll only do one of them, and yep. then we'll do one brass, and then we'll do one lead. So we'll do the do the aluminium one first. Action. Now. Yes. So that's like a shockwave that goes through and destabilizes the tower. And as we pan back up, we pan back onto Sauron's eye at the top, looking all mean and angry. Sauron's eye goes nova and the tower begins to come apart. Now, in this test, there's only a hundred moving pieces simulated and the tower is not being destroyed now, whereas in the final, all of this will be coming apart. It's a difficult one whether to do an effect like this with miniatures or, or with CG. However, how far a piece of debris will go out of the tower sideways compared to how far it will go down, it creates a, an arc and the shape of that arc will dictate the scale of the object. If things go out more, then the, the object they detonated was a smaller scale and shot at a higher speed. So, in order to make the arc look remotely believable, I think, think we figured we had to make a six-story miniature. Um, on top of that, we also have to make it out of a form of cookie dough in order to get it to crumble correctly. So that is one big biscuit. A few things have changed since last time we talked. On top of the destruction of Barrido, we are now spending a good portion of, of the time at the Black Gates, watching the ground open up and, and the gates fallen to the ground and thousands of orcs being swallowed by the earth itself. This shot was kind of a late addition and and we did have the, the challenge of getting it in at the end of the schedule but still that um, there's so much going on and that we had to develop in a, in a very short period of time but um, luckily there had there had been work on the, the uh, bear door crumbling um, before us and they were doing good work on that so we were able to grab a lot of the techniques and apply it to what we were doing because there's, there's a lot of similar things going on. This is one of the black gate shots. Uh, basically what we're trying to achieve here is the ground is crumbling apart and eventually this will be covered with tens of thousands of orcs um, and as it's breaking away we have the, the bits of the gate that are going to be falling in and then the two towers on the side which start to break up as well. first version of this was a big stone crashing, big stone crumbling and you know that sort of thing because uh, the tower is evidently made of a, possibly of obsidian or rock. So our first obvious choice was to do it with crumbling stones, which sounds pretty good, but Peter thought it would be really good to have it sound different than you would expect. You know, he likes to do those little twists. So he thought it'd be cool to have it sound like glass breaking. So we went in, in the record room and just ground up a bunch of glass and some ceramic tiles and things like that. There's going to be a bit of an issue of trying to make the whole tower sound big and, and made of glass. So I've, I've added some, some glacier bangs, some actual, actual glaciers breaking, you know, 
So you, you got a mixture of like sort of an ice element and the glass and the glaciers make it sound heavy. But there'll probably be a few other, quite a few other elements added throughout here to try to make it sound like it's got the scale. tank we've built up on top here is for allowing the lava to run down the table and uh, when we pull the levers it allows the lava to flow, uh, we built it ourselves. It's a great design because what it does it's got a knife edge that cuts through the crust and separates the crust off the material underneath so what we're able to do is dump the crust and recycle our, um, our material. Depending on what sort of crust um, action we want, um, we use different materials. Yeah. Some of it is uh, steric acid, some of it's um, uh, lacquer. So, some of the crust, what we're doing is using dry methacel sprinkled on top so it sort of dries, yeah. and then uh, spraying that. See this sort of look here where it's really stringing and building up? Yeah. That's lacquer. The surface we're using obviously has to, be allow, has to allow ultraviolet to pass through because we are using uh, UV lights. These are UV inhibitors, whereas all the other guys have gone for fashion, I've gone for practicality. Then you run into a whole lot of other problems with material that can allow UV to pass, but then getting a big enough sheet. So in the case of this table, we've actually had to laminate uh, sheets together. We've calculated there's about um, nearly 900 kilos, you know, getting close to a ton of material on the table at any one time. You can imagine the clean-up time and that, the reset times between shots. Is everybody keen on a good hour and a half, maybe two hours overtime? I have a life! Oh, can we, can we just stop, guys? We, we just need to go and show me something in the category of just. just Straight, 10 starts right there, don't, don't do anything. Right. Yeah, look at, look at this. Okay, so, oh. we? we don't have a reference tape of this, so I just need to Ooh, show you. Oh, the sun was out, wasn't it? But I think what we can do is now just have that, and then we'll cut to you now. And you'll say your line, and then he'll respond to your first line, then you'll say your second line. It is a coronation, so something celebratory. So I've done something. It's a new creation. It's called "Come Rain, Come Shine, Come Dancing." <laughs> oh, it's divine! It's divine. It's it is very funny. You have to make well, we haven't had anything spares. camp in this entire movie yet. So. Spares. Oh, spares. Oh. Makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? I'm sure Professor Tolkien would have approved. <laughs> now come the days of the Queen. Till time, Andrew, be blessed. It's lovely.
We've been scouring the landscape looking for something for the guy who's got everything. And we found this, which is a 4D camera. And, and Peter, if you would just like to step down here on the next step, I will Please. take the first photograph. Please. Please. Does it squirt water? No. Okay, okay. You ready? Okay, and... <laughs> uh, there's no way that I could have made this film alone. I mean, it's just me wanting to do this particular project. But what I needed is I needed a huge amount of support. I needed people that had never worked on a film this size before, which with sort of all of us, <laughs> really, to, to, to step up and, to, and to, to meet the challenge. And you certainly did, um, every single one of you. And, and, and you should all feel so incredibly proud because there's, uh, there, there, there wouldn't be any film, in, any film project in the world that anybody could conceive of that you people couldn't just make because you've been involved in like what I'm sure is the most complicated uh, Film, film production ever, you've done incredible work and um, you know it's, it's you folk that should feel incredibly prou proud of yourselves, so thank you all very very much So, if it's any consolation, this is the first time it's snowed in Wairu in April in 47 years, it's quite interesting isn't it, the way that it's just drifting down like this we're, um, the good news is we're about to go out and finish the scene that we started to shoot in Tiana last year so we're finally going to be able to get that scene finished. So it will not be wasted day. Thank you. <laughs> Follow me! Follow me! <laughs>